0: Good morning, church. Pathetic. Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy first snow of the season. My name is John VanderVell. They serve as one of the pastors here on staff. It's a joy to be with you this morning. If you're guests guest with us this morning, we are so glad you're here. We have guests come every week and check out Glen Island Bible Church. If you, e- if you are here checking out the church, welcome. Hope that you feel quickly a part of the community of faith that we have gathered here. You could head to the, if you are a guest, you could head to the welcome table after service. There'll be somebody there to give you a gift. It's the first gift of the Christmas season. It's a book that explains a little bit about who we are as a church, our mission, our direction, where we're going. Um, That person at the welcome table will give you a book and answer any questions you have about who we are as a church, so please take advantage of that. This week, I was reading an article on entrepreneurship. It's one of those topics that uh, just came across uh, my, my feed or something, and I, I started reading a little bit about entrepreneurship and how people in today's world are creating, starting, and launching new businesses in the, the 2023 world in which we live on we live in one of the people that was interviewed in this article is uh, somewhat of a coach for those who are starting new businesses in today's world and the quote he was asked what's the the main thing that you try to convey to entrepreneurs when you're working with them and this quote jumped out at me as i was reading the article he said well I, i try to explain that change Is the only permanence and uncertainty is the only certainty. Change is the only permanence and uncertainty is the only certainty. And that resonated with me because I don't know about you, but I feel like that really captures the life that I have been and we have been living over the last few years. So much change. So much uncertainty in our lives and in our world. We think about even just the last handful of years that we all went through. So many things changed. So many things were unexpected. So many things were uncertain. As I started to read this article, and you know how it goes, right? You can just start to kind of like go down this rabbit hole where you just keep like, wow, that's interesting. That's that's fascinating. Well, some of the stuff that I was engaging with and reading with was um, those who are studying actually the, the rapidness of change that we are experiencing. And actually Scientists are actually saying that it's the amount of change and the rapidness at which the change is happening is actually impossible for us to keep up. And for me, being you know in my late twenties, hearing that made me really encouraged. It's not just me. I'm 46. It's not just me that my old manness can't keep up. Right? This is something that we are we are all experiencing. Is this this feeling left behind, unable to keep up because of the the rapid change in the The realm of technology alone if we just talk about technology alone the rate at which devices that we use get faster is something that we can barely keep up with so it used to take the processors that were in our devices years to double in speed well now In the the last couple of years, the creation of the the processors that are inside the devices we use, they now double in speed in less than 12 months. Things are changing rapidly, and we feel that change. We feel that uncertainty. Social scientists are saying that the, the lives that our grandparents Lived in so many ways are unrecognizable from the lives that we live today. It's even true of our parents. The the things that were so certain in those days and how people lived are so different. And the, the one constant variable for all of our lives today is change and uncertainty. Change and uncertainty are plentiful in our lives today. Maybe you have felt this in your life. I, I don't think that I'm alone in feeling a, a whole lot of change and a whole lot of uncertainty has been a part of our lives. I'm sure that many and maybe all in this room have felt the effects, this anxiety or stress or feeling behind or left out or just generally nervous, afraid because of the amount of change and uncertainty that we face, that we live in. What's fascinating, what's fascinating is that human beings thrive best in environments where they know what is certain, where they know what is consistent where they know what is stable. Relationships and systems that are secure and stable, unchanging. We all have, perhaps all of us have friends in our lives, or, or, or we've certainly heard the phrase, I hadn't seen them in years, but we picked up right where we left off. It's those sorts of relationships that cause human beings, our brains are actually hardwired to trust each other and to trust the systems and structures in our world. That's where we thrive. And at the same time, as a species, we are cranking out an incredible amount of change and we are creating for ourselves an unbelievable amount of uncertainty. Maybe this morning, just me talking about it raises your nervousness and anxiety. Like, you don't have to convince me anymore, John. I got it. I've lived it. I know what you're talking about. So the question then before us is, what do we do? What do we do? How do we live? How do we thrive in this Unbelievable amount of change and uncertainty that's in our lives and in our world. If change is the only permanence and uncertainty the only certainty, how do we live? How do we live today? Where do we find stability? Where do we find hope? Where do we find strength? How do we navigate the chaotic world in which we live? How, as followers of Jesus, do we do this? Where do we find hope? Where do we find strength? Where do we find direction? Where do we find certainty? This fall, we've been making our way through the book of Hebrews, and if if you haven't been here, we've been, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. I think this is our 13th or 14th week through the book. And we're going to conclude the, the series this morning. We'll be in chapter 13. The book of Hebrews is made up of a series of sermons that were documented or written, written down and offered to a church as a, as a letter. Uh, a, a series of sermons written down in the form of a letter to this church. And this church we believe, was made up of Jewish believers who were now following the Messiah, who now had given given their their lives to Christ. They were following Jesus. He was the the Savior and the Lord of their lives. These were Jewish believers that had grown up underneath and a part of the Old Covenant. Much of the, the book of Hebrews talks about this Old Covenant And how things have now changed because we are now under a new covenant because of Jesus Christ. And so this group of believers for generations upon generations, great 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 grandparents had all been living and functioning. Their whole lives were based on an old covenant system of laws and sacrifices. And these these folks had now in just a few short years gone through an incredible amount of change to move from the old covenant now to the new covenant. Imagine the amount of change these people had to go through and endure and to think through and navigate. And the author of Hebrews gives them these these messages, these sermons, this encouragement, giving them direction in the midst of so much change, explaining to them clearly the old covenant, and why the new covenant is the better covenant. The new covenant of Christ is how we are to live now today. So he gives this instruction and gives encouragement in the midst of so much change and also gives certainty in the midst of so much uncertainty for them because at the same time they were wondering how do we live under the new covenant? What does this mean? How does the old and the new, how do we do this? They were also facing a great deal of persecution for their beliefs and for following Jesus. Many were tempted to to abandon what they had believed or to leave the community of faith they were a part of. And so there's change and uncertainty that these folks are facing. And this morning we need to recognize that the book of Hebrews was not written to us. It was written to that church, those believers who were going through that change and that uncertainty. But we need to recognize that it was written for us. The book of Hebrews in God's beauty and God's love and God's care for us today, believers today living under the new covenant, he has instruction, direction for us this morning. People of God living in such A world of such change and uncertainty. I see God's goodness for us this morning in the closing of Hebrews. Let me read for us the chapter this morning. It's 25 verses. Stick with me. I know we've all eaten way too much food over the last 72 hours, maybe a little bit sleepy this morning, but please stick with me this morning. I'm going to read all 25 verses and what I want us to do as, we, as I read these verses, maybe you, you're going to follow along in your copy of the scriptures. The words will also be on the screen. I'd like us to, to I want to frame it in this way. There's going to be two things that I want us to draw from the text this morning. First, is that the chapter, the, God's word gives us direction in the midst of change and certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Hebrews 13.1 starts off, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Keep yourselves free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so, God, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen brothers and sisters i urge you to bear with my word of exhortation for in fact i have written to you quite briefly i want you to know that our brother timothy has been released if he arrives soon i will come with him to see you, greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Remember I said there's two primary things that we can learn from the text this morning. The first is there's direction or instruction in the midst of change, and the the second is this certainty in the midst of of uncertainty, So let's first look at this direction or instruction in the midst of change. We have a really bold preacher in Hebrews this morning. This preacher offers 12 points of application. 12 takeaways. 12 points of application this morning for this congregation. He says first, love one another. The love that is talked about here is a deep, meaningful, familial type of love. Some translations say brethren or ours says brothers and sisters. There's this familial sense to this love. He then then says show hospitality to strangers. And he goes, harkens back to Genesis 18 where Abram welcomes in the three strangers and Turns out that these are angels, ministers of the Lord. So we are to show hospitality to strangers, always, individually, but collectively as a people of God. Remember those in prison and actually be with those in prison and be with those that are mistreated. Not simply an acknowledgement, but a, a true remembering that involves care, being with those folks. Honor marriage. Keep the marriage bed pure. Be content, free from the love of money. So here in the first five verses, we've hit some pretty major topics. Money, sex, idolatry, care for others, and then love within our midst. Remember your leaders. Consider their life. Imitate their faith. Don't get carried away by strange teaching. Remain grounded, strengthened by grace. Stay grounded. Ground each other in grace, the grace of God that's come to you through Jesus Christ in the new covenant. He goes on to say, Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. There's sort of this unique, these unique verses on sacrifice. He said, now, make sure that you offer a sacrifice of praise. Let praise be always on your lips. Praise God. Give a sacrifice of praise. Do good. Do good. And share with others. Have confidence in and submit to your Leaders. He mentions this twice, verse 7 and verse 17. Pray. Pray for others. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those, the the author of this letter, he says. Pray. Be people of prayer. And then bear with this word of exhortation. Bear with what I'm sharing with you, church, he says. All right, well, there we have it. That's the sermon for this morning. Twelve points of application. Let's go eat some leftovers for lunch, right? I don't know about you, but when I see that list and I read that list, I feel overwhelmed. I just simply feel overwhelmed. I feel like how on earth... Could I live up to that standard? How could I make that happen? I, this sense of like, oh, here we go again. A bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of things that I have to do. I'm, there's no way I can live up to all of these. I mean, some of them I'm, yeah, I got that. Others I'm like, no, man, I don't do that well. <laughs> like not even at all. We get this sense of an overwhelming sense. And I think where that comes from, there's, there's two, two things I think going on here. The, the first is that I think I feel that way and I think many of us feel that way because of the way that communication works in our world and the, the bent that we have as people living today toward legalism. Does that make sense? I think we like to take this chapter and we like to pull out all the things that we need to do and we like to make that checklist so that we know if we are making it or if we are not. I think I read that list like a a text message that somebody I care about sends to me. Like imagine if your pastor sent you that list as a text message. You feel like, oh my goodness. I think there's there's something in the way that we process that information and are bent towards legalism that makes us feel overwhelmed. I think that the original audience, perhaps, I don't know, I wasn't there, but perhaps I think that the original audience may have, have seen this and felt this and understood this differently than the way that we do living 2000 years later with our bent towards making checklists and our bent towards legalism and the reason I, I feel this way is because of what is found in verse 22 brothers and sisters I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation for in fact I have written to you quite briefly I think the, the author is, is saying and encouraging this church in the midst of these directions and instructions that don't feel overwhelmed by this. Don't, don't be burdened by this. This is, this, is, this is me, this is the author saying, this is me giving you a, a summary of where we've gone through the, the last 12 chapters. And I don't want you to to feel overwhelmed that I've just summarized it here quickly. I've written briefly here. I think the original audience, and, and I think the aim of this text was actually to encourage the body of believers. I think this is aimed at being encouraging to the family of God. I don't think this is, this, the aim of this was to make a checklist for these people and to bend towards that mentality of, of legalism. I think it was, it was meant to and I think it would have been received as encouragement to give them hopeful direction and instruct, instruction, to give guidelines for them of how to live as a people of God in the midst of so much change and persecution and, and all the things that they were going through. I think we too must, must see these things as encouragement. I, I, I don't want to take away from the fact that these are actual commands from God in how we are to live righteously. But I think we need to frame it properly and to understand them as, in, as encouragement. It's even hard for us to do, isn't it? To think of these as as encouragement. These are encouragement for for us. This is encouragement for us as we live in this world of so much change and so much uncertainty. We too need to, to, to strive together to do good, to follow Christ, but we need to abandon the checklist mentality. The second reason I feel... Overwhelmed by this list, and perhaps you do too, is because I, I believe that part of that is the way that we understand and process information, and the way that we are bent towards legalism. And as much as I think that the the this chapter needs to be. Ref- needs to be reframed in our minds as encouragement, I think we, we also feel overwhelmed because at some level we should feel overwhelmed. Because I think this chapter is, is bent at encouraging us, but it's also there to humble us. I think there's a humbling that's taking place. There's a, a humbling that we should feel when we when we go through this list and we think about how we are to live and how we are to be righteous. I think we should have a a level of feeling overwhelmed because we cannot do what is called, what's been called on our lives, what God is calling us to. We cannot accomplish this without Christ. Church, we should feel a level of brokenness. We should feel humbled. We should feel like we cannot measure up. And that feeling should not drive us to guilt and shame. It should drive us to Jesus Christ. That Christ is the one who gives us the strength and the ability and the hope and the courage to live like this, to live righteously in the midst of so much change and so much uncertainty. That feeling, the humbling we feel should should point us, draw us, move us to Christ as the one who can give us the strength, give us the will, give us the, the desire to follow after him. It should move us to hold on to Jesus as the author has said, over and over and over. Let's look closely at verses 20 through 22. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. That he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Do you you see what the the author is telling us? After giving this list of 12 points of application of how we are to live, he says, now, it's not on you, church. Come to Jesus, the, the one who shed his blood, our Savior. And that Jesus, when we come to him, will give us the strength, will equip us to live righteously. The Lord Jesus will equip you with everything good for doing his will. Church, it's it's Jesus who gives us the will. It's Jesus who gives us the desire. It's Jesus who gives us the strength to do God's will. His good will. Now let me share with you something fascinating. I've, I found it fascinating. Maybe you won't. But let me share it with you this morning. The word that's used here in, in, from the Greek that's translated into the word equip is the word katartizo. 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 Katartizo, ka-tar-tizo means something much more than just the way that we translate it, equip. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to, to beat up a Bible translator because they are way smarter than I am. But I think that there's so much more that's going on in the word katartizo than the way that we understand it as equip. The word means to fix. The word means to put back Together. The word means to rebuild. The word means to mend or to restore. The the dictionary. So this word is used in other places in the Bible and it's also used in other ancient uh, texts uh, in the same period as the Bible was written. And the, the dictionary definition is this. Setting right what has gone wrong. To restore to a former condition. Here's what's interesting is the word is actually the same word that's used when Jesus comes to the disciples and they're getting ready to go out fishing and they're fixing their nets. They're mending their nets. The word cartartizo is used in that same setting. It's this idea of restoring, mending, fixing what is broken. So I would argue that the 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 core part, the the teaching of this verse is saying to us, you are broken, you can't do it, you'll never measure up, but there is Jesus who wants to restore you, mend you, fix you, prepare you, restore you, perfect you, so that you are able to follow him so that you are equipped to hold on to Jesus. This moves us to our second takeaway this morning, that the the text gives us direction and instruction in the midst of change, and it gives us certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Verse 8 says this. Just thrown in here sort of on the side, in the middle of this sermon, in the middle of this letter, the author says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that good news? We have this certainty in Christ, in Jesus, in the midst of so much uncertainty. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, in a, a world of constant change, you can trust the unchanging Christ. In a world of constant change, we can trust the unchanging Christ. He is the same, His love for us is the same. His direction, His instruction for us as a church is the same. His care for us, His saving power is the same. We need to hold on to Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning that is encouraging, directive, instructive, It gives us so much encouragement in the midst of so much change and uncertainty. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.